Welcome, 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 welcome to the Modern Medicine Movement Podcast. Dr. Thomas Hemingway here. Super pumped, super grateful, glad to be back. Ow! All right. Oh my gosh, guys. Such a pleasure to be back with you today. It's just been an amazing week. Ah, just recorded a show a couple of weeks ago that came out yesterday with the Gutsy Health Podcast. A couple of amazing people, amazing women who have put this together. Um, oh my gosh, you got to check them out on Instagram at the Gutsy Health Podcast. And it's just amazing. Got to just talk about what are my five pillars of health, my most important principles and practices. So much fun. I hope you'll check them out. I hope you will follow them. I put uh, some stuff on my feed and, and story on these guys that uh, and gals, really, that are so powerful, so amazing, and I hope you will follow them both as well as their podcast. And I oh, had just a lot of fun, a lot of fun with the interview. So check them out and check us out at thomashemingway.com. We got our New website up and rolling with links to The Preventable Book, which is coming out real, real soon. I uh, just was on a call with my editor, and things are looking up. It's super exciting. Check that out at thepreventablebook.com. And today, I want to share with you that this topic actually came from you guys. It was something that we've sent out a few emails about what you want to hear about, and this was a resounding, super ultra-positive topic that came up tons and tons of times, and it's not something we've talked about a whole lot. In fact, it was something that I dreaded or at least didn't fully appreciate until about a decade ago, and this is sleep, why we need to sleep, what it does for us, what happens when we don't sleep, and all of the good stuff in between. In fact, I just did a deep dive into sleep on a live Zoom call in my Thrive community just a few days ago, and it had... Oh my gosh, so much impact. People were loving it. There were so many more questions. We went for a full hour plus, and I've decided I'm going to do another one of those. In fact, next week, I'm going to do another live Zoom call about this to really get into those topics we couldn't cover that well. And so if I can't hit it here in this podcast, guys, you can find it there at the Thrive community. I hope you will check us out. Check the link in the show notes or the link in my bio on Instagram at Dr. Dr. Thomas Hemingway. So without further ado, we are going to get into it. We are going to get into today why we need to sleep. Why? So here's the deal, guys. When I was in medical school over 20 years ago, oh my gosh, isn't that weird to say? I started medical school well over 20, I think it's been about 25 years ago that I started medical school. And we were taught that sleep was something we needed to do. However, we really had no idea why. <laughs> in fact, the neurologist that uh, taught at the University of California, San Diego, where I attended medical school and graduated at the top of my class, he taught us that sleep was so dang important because we know what happens when you don't sleep well. We know what the negative outcomes are, right? Worsened health, shortened lifespan, more trouble with focusing, concentrating, athletic performance, remembering all of these different things, elevated blood pressure, more at risk for diabetes, more at risk for cancer. In fact, the WHO has called lack of sleep or even those that, that like me, were doing a whole bunch of shift work and not sleeping well, has actually characterized that as a carcinogen or cancer causing. So we knew all of these bad things that were happening if we did not sleep. 
However, what we did not really know or understand at that point in time in the 90s, which is when I attended medical school, is why we needed to sleep in the first place, despite the fact that literally almost one-third of our life should be spent sleeping. We didn't have any idea why that was. We literally did not know. We just knew the negative consequences of what happened when we didn't sleep or didn't get adequate sleep or restful sleep, enough sleep and quality sleep. So a cool thing that actually just in the last decade has really been, oh my gosh, illuminated for us was a lot of research that came out of the University of Rochester Medical School. And these guys are amazing. Shout out to the Nettergaard lab with doctors Illiff, Jeffrey Illiff and Nettergaard who have been working on this thing for decades now of why we need to sleep. And they've discovered this whole system in the brain that was unknown prior to their elucidation, bringing this to light in about 2012 was the first that uh, I see record of this by their lab or anywhere, this whole system in the brain called the glymphatic system. So kind of like the lymphatic system of the body that is the one that's responsible for sort of flushing out all those toxins, getting the fluids recycled, rejuvenated, refreshed, so we can be the best that we can be and get rid of all that bad stuff that we happen to be exposed to, dumping that and just getting us replenished, refreshed, rejuvenated. This lymphatic system of the body is also in the brain in the form of what's called the glymph with a G, glymphatic system. And this was discovered, elucidated, shown to us by the amazing work of those at the University of Rochester, first published in, I believe, 2012. And if you want to check them out, they can be found easily at the Rochester uh, .edu, the University of Rochester.edu, um, and check them out. Jeffrey Illiff did a video, I believe, on this on YouTube. I remember watching it several years back. And they did some cool, cool experiments where they actually showed how this system lights up at night when we are sleeping to be able to flush the toxins, refresh that fluid that's in our brain. You've heard of this cerebral spinal fluid, you know, it's kind of like analogous to the lymphatic fluid of the body. This fluid bathes the brain and all the important structures there. It circulates all day, 24-7, and it exposes the brain to both potential awesomeness, you know, nutrients and all the things, as well as toxins and, and those bad proteins that build up that can be found in the later uh, stages of things like Alzheimer's dementia, Parkinson's, you know, the tangled tau proteins, uh, as well as the amyloid deposits, which we don't know if it's the chicken or the egg and, and what ends up. It's kind of a debate, right? But we know that these are associated with the presence of these illnesses. And the cool part is that this stuff can be both seen, recognized, and appreciated decades before these diseases come up. So we have time, guys. The time is today, the best time to start refreshing, rejuvenating, getting our brains healthy and eliminating hopefully any chance of getting these horrible neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's, dementia, other types of dementias as well as Parkinson's and things is to start now today because they've actually done research showing that these proteins like amyloid, like tau, they can actually be seen in the brain decades and decades ahead of any clinical manifestations of these illnesses. And so the time to clean up shop, right? To take out the trash, to refresh the system, to rejuvenate, to do the laundry is today. The time is now. And this is what I would classify as one of the most important features of why 
we need to sleep because we need our brains refreshed and cleansed of all these toxins that they're exposed to on a daily basis. We need time to rejuvenate. We need the old cells to die off, get recycled, reused, uh, the garbage thrown out, right? It's trash day in the brain every single day if we get appropriate sleep because this system effectively does not work if we are not sleeping and if we are not sleeping well. This is according to that amazing work by Dr. Jeffrey Illiff and Nettergaard in the University of Rochester Medical Center Labs, and it's amazing stuff. I hope you check it out. I'll put some links in the show notes. But what's really cool here is this is really sort of the rubber meets the road aspect of why we need to sleep. We know now we need to refresh. We need to rejuvenate the brain. We need to get rid of the trash, all of those toxins and chemicals and byproducts of metabolism and everyday life and things that we're exposed to. We need to have all that stuff flushed, right? You guys know this, but I, I literally experience this each and every day with six children, a family of eight. Like if we don't take our trash out every day, I mean, guess what happens? <laughs> it builds up and it gets messy and we're in Hawaii at the moment and it's warm and humid and you know what happens if you don't get rid of the trash in a warm, humid, moist place? You get some little friends. It's it's not awesome. So taking the trash out each and every day is super important. And we need to do this in our bodies through good, appropriate, restful, restorative, rejuvenative, refreshing sleep. So I think I've <laughs> I think I've hit that one pretty hard. That's a, one of the top priorities in my mind. One of the top rationale and reasons to sleep is this. It's getting our brains the chance to clean up, refresh, rejuvenate. And it is expressed through this glymphatic system and the processes that you've heard of before called autophagy, right? That cellular cleanup process. Literally in Greek, it means self-eating, which just means that the old cells get sort of digested, broken down, and then recycled into the new cells and the trash is thrown out. This is autophagy. This is happening hopefully each and every day in our bodies as we give ourselves a time away from chaos, right? All the stimulation, all the stuff that's happening, as well as these big triggers that don't allow it to happen. The two biggest triggers that block this process of autophagy are being active and not sleeping or exposed to the lights and, and all the things of the day, whether it be blue light later in the evening or what have you, that kind of blocks the process because we can't sleep, right? If we're exposed to blue light um, in the throes of the evening, we're not gonna be able to go to sleep well, as well as our food, right? Our food and our light, whatever that may be, natural and day, which is a good time to get out and exposed to light, or the blue lights at night, which is not so great a time. These two things can block the process of autophagy and good sleep. So we need to get these two things under control in our life, our exposure to light, and use them to represent what has been sort of a age-old proven strategy of the way we've always done things ancestrally, which is, if we can, be exposed to the daylight, natural light, the sun. Hopefully, earlier in the day, the better. If we can get up early and get that natural light to hit our eyes, especially not wearing sunglasses those couple first hours of the morning and being exposed to that red light to set our circadian or our biological clock early in the morning, this will help us get an amazing sleep at night, right? Who knew that your best, most restful sleep, the steps to that happen first thing in the morning, literally when you first get up, if you're exposed to that natural light, that red, amber type hue, right? Those um, 
wavelengths are super healthy. They're awesome. They're restful, helpful. And without the sunglasses, you don't want to have sunglasses on when you're exposed to those early morning hours light or the late evening at sunset, you have access to the same red wavelength light spectrum, which is super healthful for your body. It's free. You don't have to buy one of these fancy red light machines, although there may be certainly a, a use for them in certain things, certain times and whatnot. Um, but why not get it for free? I'm all about access to things that we can all get without spending a dime here, which is amazing, helpful, beneficial, red light therapy naturally from the sun, morning and evening, each and every day. What an awesome concept, right? It's awesome. It's free. It's beneficial. So starting your day with exposure to natural light could be the game changer. It could be one of the best things for you. And maybe it's something you're lacking at this point. You're not getting outdoors. It doesn't have to be long. It could be five minutes. Whatever you can work into your day, five or 10 minutes in those early morning hours to get that natural light to hit your eyes, right? The back of the retina is where it needs to hit, which is, you know, you open your eyes and that happens. But those posterior retinal ganglion cells send the message up to the brain. They're like, hey, set the clock. We're open. We got stuff to do. We got dreams to accomplish. All this awesomeness starting the day out right with natural light. And then in the evening, those lights should be kind of dimmed down, just like the sunset, right? It gets dim and then it gets dark and we should mimic that. That trigger of light, that cue for our body, if we can get it in sync with the natural oscillations, vibrations, and the natural cycles, oh my gosh, we're going to sleep so much better. All right, who's been camping out there or just allowed to spend some time in nature? I don't know about you, but if you have the opportunity and you can be out and breathe that fresh air, be exposed to the natural light, and be out in nature, I've had some of the best sleeps of my life. Now, granted, maybe this was before <laughs> I was approaching 50 and I may not have needed a comfier mattress or whatever. Nowadays, if I'm doing the camping thing, I'm, I'm bringing a, a nicer mattress than what I used to. I used to have this less than one inch thick, probably a quarter or, or maybe a half. Nah, probably not a half, probably more like a quarter of an inch thick little foam thingy. I would, I would throw in my backpack and pack it around, roll it out and sleep on that thing like I'm not sleeping on that anymore, man. I'm getting getting some a little bit more comfy. <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Because why not? Why not be comfy if we're out and uh, enjoying the wild, enjoying the beauty? But restful, restful sleeps are on hand. They're available. Hope you're getting some of that this summer. It's been amazing. It's been a little bit on the warm side, but at night, it cools off. Everywhere you go in the world, it cools off at some point. And those early evening, or, or I should say, Sunset-ish hours and sunrise-ish hours are magical for so many reasons. So set your day, set your clock with that natural rhythm, and you will sleep so, so much better. So that's tip number one, and it relates to a little bit of the theory, the physiology of sleep in the first place. The second segue is our exposure to food, right? If we're eating food all day long, we are not allowing our body to get into that rejuvenative, restorative, restful phase of autophagy. It just can't happen. It cannot happen while we're eating. Eating is a hugely taxing metabolic and energy-consuming um, process. Most of us don't think about that, but it is. And if we eat these big, giant meals right before bed, it may make us a little tired in the, in the short term, but we may be waking up a couple hours later with a little bit of rebound hypoglycemia, especially if they're carbohydrate-laden, which often our meals are here in the U.S. and developed countries where about 60% of our diet is from carbohydrate intake. Most of this is highly processed carbohydrates, which is not awesome, but we're, we're on the mission to change this, and you guys know this. We're doing it. 
a little bit at a time. We're replacing all those highly processed sugars, flours, grains with the ones that come from nature that don't come in a box, that don't come in a bag, that don't come with a bag barcode, <laughs> that are fresh vegetables and fruits with a lot of fiber. And so the effective amount of carbohydrates is much lower, right? Because it has all of those natural fibers. So that is what we're shooting for. And we're shooting for taking a break at night. And as much as we should have a bedtime sort of curfew, we should also have a food curfew. And I know it sounds a little weird. We've talked about this before, but it's so essential to try to limit our intake in the evening. Within about three, let's say three hours, I, I use kind of this three, two, one rule. Within about three hours, of going to sleep, we shouldn't really be having any significant carbohydrates or really any significant calories at that point, about three hours prior to bed. So if you're like me and you're a little bit of a night owl, you're going to bed around 11 or 12 o'clock, you really shouldn't be eating anything after 8 p.m. or for sure by 9 p.m. if you're getting to bed at midnight, that's three hours. You can drink, you know, things that don't have calories, maybe a little bit of herbal tea to kind of quiet yourself down in the evening, a little chamomile or whatever that looks like for you. But don't be drinking that late night cup of coffee, right? A lot of people go out to eat. I was just out with some, oh my gosh, my wife, of course, and a couple of other amazing couples last night. It was incredible. We stayed out maybe a little bit late for, for a Thursday night, but you know, we don't get to see these guys often. It was amazing. And so we, I believe we ate dinner. Well, let's, let's, we started at 6.30. So we started at a reasonable time. We, we stayed out and we talked and we chatted. We had a lot of fun till I don't know, 9 or 9.30, but we were done eating at least by 9. And so still, even though that was a little later than normal at home, we try to eat by 6 or 7. I think, you know, by the time all the, you know, goodbyes and the chit-chatting were done and we got to bed, I think it was about midnight anyway, so we still were pretty close to this. I think we were may have been about 11.30. Maybe we got to bed about 11.30, so we didn't quite hit the three hours. And that's okay. You don't have to be perfect, right? We're not shooting for perfection. Forget about that. Just your best intent do the best you can, try for three hours every night to not have any significant caloric intake prior to bed. You can hydrate, you can do a soothing cup of tea or whatever. Don't, please try to not do anything with caffeine because that, for the most of us, will keep us awake. Or alcohol, which may make us fall asleep easier, but it'll disturb the quality of our sleep. It makes a big difference. There's tons of data on this, lots of sleep studies showing how Alcohol messes up your ability to get into that deep, restorative, deeper phase sleep with the REM sleep and all of that. It, it, it gets you to sleep quicker, obviously, but it doesn't give you that quality, restful sleep that you really want. You'll be waking up. You'll be waking up to pee. You'll be waking up when that wears off. You'll be waking up because you dip in your blood sugar, a little bit hypoglycemic. All the reasons to not really partake of any significant alcohol or caffeine at night and also don't hit the... <laughs> Hit the, hit the fridge, right? No midnight snacks. Try to stay away from that. And don't do too many carbs, um, at least within three hours of bedtime. So that's the three, two, one rule. Three is the food. Make it a food curfew. Two hours before bed, I try to settle down with what I'm doing, especially with respect to blue lights. That, uh, that was always my hard and fast rule was two hours. And I'll be honest, that's really, really hard for me. I do a lot of work in the evenings. When my kids finally get to bed, I try to catch up on things. My wife as well. We're both really busy and it's sometimes hard in the day to get everything done when you got six little humans running around and you're spending time with them and it's amazing. But I do a little catch up, but within at least one hour before bed, I shut down all the blue lights. So I transition into the amber lights and the old school stuff like candlelight 
or I have this headlamp that's just emitting red light. I know it looks pretty funny. I'm, I'm sitting there reading my book at night with my red light <laughs> coming out of my headlamp. My wife thinks it's a little goofy, but it works. Red lights at night are fine. I swept, swapped out all the night lights in our house for these kind of red light night lights. I'm trying to get rid of the LEDs. We have so many of them, so it's kind of like a little bit at a time, trying to go back to the old school incandescence and be able to dim them as well. I, I like things kind of dim. It sets the mood, gets me into that happy place. The melatonin then can start to go upwards, which gets me into that readiness for sleep. And I try to do this about two hours prior to bedtime, at least by one hour. The other thing that I sneak in there is the exercise part. I try not to do any significant, you know, super high energy impact, you know, exercise within about two hours of sleep. If you're doing something restful, like taking a walk, I wouldn't really classify that as significant exercise. And that's fine to do before bedtime as long as it's not really like energizing you and waking you up, unless you want to be up, right? If you want to work for a couple more hours and you do a little exercise, totally fine. But on a regular basis, I try to do my exercise a little bit earlier in the day. In fact, if I can, try to do it first thing in the morning because that gets me going, gets me happy. It tends to be typically a fasted workout because I don't eat when I first roll out of bed. And so that's when I try to. But doing a little exercise at night is okay. But just don't do a super vigorous like Orange Theory type class like my wife does in the evening because you're going to be energized. You're going to be Woo, pepped up, pumped up, and primed for an all-nighter. And, and if that's not what you have in, in the plans and you want to get a restful sleep, don't do vigorous exercise within about two hours of bedtime. Restful stuff, like I said, if you're going for a light walk, a little bit of maybe a swim, or for me, I just like sitting in the cozy hot tub when I have the chance. That gets me kind of winding down. So hot tub, hot bath, uh, whatever kind of restful environment you like, with a book maybe, with a gratitude journal, with a little time with your honey, just kind of hanging out and, and doing doing couple stuff is amazing, restful. Um, yeah, all that good stuff is what you can replace, that staring into a blue light screen emitting device those last couple hours before bed. And now I've kind of put the three, two, one, the one, I've kind of swapped the sort of exercise and the blue light and I've kind of downgraded the blue light down to one hour just because it's more easy and accessible for us to avoid blue lights for one hour. I feel like two hours is pretty darn difficult for a lot of us. And so if you can at least turn them off within one hour and exercise two hours and work as well, I try not to do too, too, too much exercise or work right before bed, turn off the blue lights. And then that last hour, at least just restful, deep breathing, whatever those things look like for you, the hot bath, the journaling, the prayerfulness, the meditation. I love, love, love just writing a couple of notes in a gratitude journal, you know, getting all the stuff out there, just chatting with my partner, you know, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, restful at night. So you choose the activities that works best for you. That's kind of, I love to talk about those things because they're practical, they're simple, they're easy. Make a list of, of how you want that to look like. And going back to this whole business of like why we need to sleep in the first place. I identified what I think is the coolest, most informative, most useful, and likely the most important reason we need to sleep for that whole high-functioning glymphatic system of the brain to flush out all the toxins. Super, super awesome. That sort of falls into this restorative, rejuvenative process that can happen both with autophagy as well as the housekeeping with the glymphatic system for tissue repair, tissue growth, 
the protein synthesis, right? We're going to break down all the, the old, you know, worn out cells. We're going to recycle a lot of those amino acids, those are the building blocks, into new cells. That's just called synthesis, right? Making them into new cells, new organelles, new mitochondria, and the proper hormone release. All that can happen during that restful, rejuvenative phase, uh, phase as well as uh, in the brain itself, besides the fact that we're just flushing out all the toxins and all that, the brain actually needs sleep for a lot of its purposes. One of them is memory, right? If you don't sleep enough or quality enough, you're going to have a hard time with memory. That's one of the first things that goes, right? The, you guys have heard of this area of the brain called the amygdala, that sort of medial, that inner uh, middle aspect of the brain, that area that's involved in memory. It really can't function well if we're not getting restful sleep. So for learning, establishing new memories, for being able to problem solve, have the creativity that we want to be able to focus, to concentrate, have good, solid decision-making. All of this gets improved, enhanced, and restored during sleep. Super, super important. I mean, that's really when we establish our memories is during sleep. So those all-nighters that I used to pull once in a while for school, whether it be college, medical school, residency, whatever that was, those were not that awesome in a lot of senses, because unless you get high quality sleep after that, you're not really establishing that long-term permanent memory. So sleep is so important in that regard, as well as uh, for brain functions that are not technical, but that are important equally, if not more, is our sort of emotional well-being and our emotional health. If we're not getting good sleep, we know that that can suffer certainly suffer. My wife mentions this to me all the time when I'm not getting adequate and appropriate sleep, which was for decades of my life before I appreciated and recognized this fact. I, I was of the generation where, you know, I, I said before The Cure had the song, I said, I'll sleep when I'm dead, right? This song came out in the 2000s and maybe six or eight or I can't remember, but I was preaching the I'll sleep when I'm dead thing since I was maybe a teenager. So like 30 to 40 years, you know, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, <laughs> I was preaching this and I was wrong. I, I, you're not going to sleep when you're dead. Like you're probably going to move on and be doing other stuff and you're not going to be sleeping in the, in the sense, I really don't think so, but certainly you're not going to make up for a sleep <laughs> missed during your life. I mean, we can't use the mantra, we'll sleep when we're dead because if we do, we're going to die sooner, right? We know that sleep, if not achieved, you know, both the quantity and the quality we're going to die sooner. That's all the stuff I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, right? It negatively impacts our health. But also be, besides that, having that high quality restful sleep will improve our day-to-day. -day. The quality of our life, as is often said, I believe by Tony Robbins, is the quality of our emotions. And to have good, solid emotional health, sleep is imperative, right? Because it involves those ever so important centers of the brain like the amygdala, the hippocampus, the insula, the prefrontal cortex, the striatum, these are all areas involved in emotional, you know, context, regulation, um, and just being able to enjoy our life, right? When we get sleep deprived, we are ornery. My wife reminds me of this because I, I live many years kind of ornery because I, I was sleeping four to six hours a night. I'll be honest, I was not optimizing my sleep. I was not doing this right. And part of it was just because I wasn't taught the value, the true importance of sleep because we didn't understand. We knew that it was, you know, essential in some way, but we didn't know why. Now we know why, right? 
Effective, rejuvenative, restful sleep goes hand in hand with high quality mental health or brain health. They, they are wrapped at the you know, hip, they're, they're hand in glove. They are together like <laughs> you know, flies on whatever, <laughs> but um, super important. And so high quality, effective, restful sleep. So good for your body, so good for your emotions, your mind, your energy, all of those good things. And one thing that we talked about this past week, I want to just share, we may not get as deep into the weeds because it just takes a little bit of time, but it's also, um, I got to mention it because the hormonal balances and the hormonal health that we all seek, a lot of it is related to our sleep. And this was also not fully appreciated when I was in medical school, you know, 20 plus years ago, we didn't really focus on this. But most of the hormones that are involved in the day-to-day, you know, the functioning of our body, both the metabolic health, for example, the blood sugar balancing, the thyroid hormone, the stress and stress response, as well as the growth, like human growth hormone, all these hormones play into our sleep and they get optimized and function better if we're getting high-quality, restful sleep. I'm going to explain a little bit, but if you want more, definitely going to have to check out the Thrive community. Check it out in the show notes. We went deep on this. We'll go deep again next week. So I won't get super deep into the weeds, but I want to give you a little bit of an explanation because you guys know how much I love the science. I think it just helps us to appreciate. And so we're going to get into that right now. So firstly, when we do get restful sleep, we have a way better chance of having proper insulin sensitivity. Right, we know that about almost nine and ten of us have some metabolic dysfunction or problem with our insulin, described as insulin resistance. It means it's not working as well as it should. I had this problem. I was not overweight. I looked healthy as could be on the outside, but on the inside, I was messed up. I mean, I got my blood sugar fasting, you know, checked. Whew, maybe about a decade ago, and I was exactly the same weight I am today. I had the same sort of you know, active lifestyle. I ate pretty decent food, but what I was lacking was high quality, regular restful sleep. And I had my fasting blood sugar checked and it was in the upper 80s, kind of low 90s. So I didn't meet the quote unquote criterion for diabetes, but I was on the high side. I mean, honestly, like this whole normal range business for fasting blood sugar is a little bit skewed because they base it upon the average, they should call it the average, not necessarily the normal, but the average blood sugar for fasting in the morning, it goes all the way up to 99 before they say you're at risk for diabetes, 99. It's like, oh my gosh, like your blood sugar in the morning should be like 70 to 80, 70 to 85 max, 70 to 80s. I mean, if it's in the 90s at all, you are borderline diabetic or pre-diabetic already. And so that's why I always recommend checking also a fasting insulin, which I've talked about before, but Proper sleep helps so much with this insulin balance. Insulin is basically, in my humble opinion, the master hormone, the master. It intertwines, connects. It is involved with just about every single hormone in the body, whether it be human growth hormone, which is better, you know, produced, optimized, and released if we get quality sleep, as well as The cortisol, which we want to be balanced, we don't want to go crazy and have way too much cortisol, that stress hormone all the time, because that will send us into an insulin-resistant fashion. It spikes our blood sugar, and when we don't sleep well, 
cortisol goes up, the stress response goes up, our growth hormone goes down, we get the munchies, right? If you've ever done an all-nighter, what are you trying to do? You're trying to stay up and awake and you're kind of craving the junk foods and caffeines and especially junk food. I know when I don't get good sleep, I'm like, I'm looking for the candy cabinet that we no longer have because I crave the junk and that's physiology. That's not you being weak. That's the hormone ghrelin. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone and it gets out of whack and it goes up when we don't sleep well, as well as the other hormone that works against it called leptin, which is sort of that satiety hormone that tells us to stop eating. That isn't working well when we are not sleeping. In fact, the levels are too low, right? They're, we're missing the signal. We just want to eat, eat, eat when we've been up all night and when we're sleep deprived. And we also, the cravings get messed up as well uh, due to kind of this dopamine pathway getting askew. And it's all physiology. It's all science. It's well-documented. And so when you don't sleep well, this can be shown in just as little as one night of decreased sleep, these hormones can get out of whack. Conversely, and I would say amazingly, the flip side of this is it also can get back into check pretty darn quickly as well. You get a couple of restful nights of sleep, you can get these hormones back in balance in no time. So as quickly as they can go awry and askew and just off the deep end, they can come back into alignment and get back in line and get and start behaving themselves normally. These things like thyroid hormone, the cortisols and the adrenal hormones, the growth hormone, the insulin, that master hormone, the leptin, the ghrelin, all of these important hormones that are involved in our day to day will be better optimized if we are sleeping well. So that will reduce our chances of getting either insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, near, uh, <clears throat> near diabetes or hyperglycemia, and it will help tremendously because we know that those things, when they go awry and askew, like insulin resistance, our inflammation is going up, and that's the root of all disease. Beyond that, sleeping well, it just feels good. It feels amazing. It feels awesome. I mean, it's hard to describe the difference of a quality restful night's sleep and a crappy one, or just not enough sleep. I mean, we may wake up kind of uh, not looking forward to the day, like dreading our to-do list, dreading that next 12 to 16 hours, 18 hours of our life because we don't feel good. But when we get that perfect sleep, whatever that is for us, seven hours, eight hours, nine hours, it's usually somewhere in that window. When we get that restful eight hours sleep, we are like pumped and on fire and ready to tackle Anything and everything that comes up, we're in that positive mindset that life happens for us and not to us, and we are just pumped up and ready to take the world, and all of this is predictable, it is science, it is physiology, and it's so amazing because it's achievable, guys. This is not out of your reach. I, for many years, I kind of was like, I didn't have the mindset for it. I just thought I was wasting my time when I slept more than six hours. I didn't appreciate all these benefits. Once I both knew better and appreciated all of the physiology. And then I started to see the difference when I did, you know, I did a little bit of a 180 on this one. I had to like er, stop in my tracks and change my direction and start to value and prioritize my sleep. And life has never been better. I'm coming up on 50 and I am vibrant. I am alive. I'm full of energy. I mean, I tell my kids, I got, I got a couple of uh, teenagers now, four boys and, and, and three of them are basically in that teenage era and they are full of energy and I can keep up with all of them. I can, yeah, they, I think they're surprised with me each and every day of what I can still do. And, and it's awesome. And we have so much fun together 
And it's because I'm valuing my sleep and making it a priority. You got to put it on your to-do list. Maybe you got to turn a reminder on your phone to make sure you get your three, two, one right. Three hours before you're not eating. Two hours, you're not really doing a ton of exercise or blue lights or whatever work. And then that one hour before, you're really dedicating to that restful activity or activities, whatever they may be, that get you prepared and ready to jump into those phases of sleep. We, we aren't going to get into all the different stage one, stage two, three, and four, but it's really the deeper phases you want to get into, like the REM sleep and the deep sleep, where your brain really has a chance to fully flush, fully refresh, rejuvenate, and get into that space of just awesomeness. Like this is magic. It's, I know, I know it sounds corny and cheesy to say sleep is magical, but when you've had a good night's sleep, I mean, truly it can make all of the difference. So wanted to kind of share that with you. There's, there's more I want to get into, but I just wanted to give that little teaser and remind you that there is more. You can check me out on my uh, DR, Thomas Hemingway, Dr. Thomas Hemingway, Instagram or thomashemingway.com for more on this, for deep dive topics, click on the link for the Podia community thrive with dr hemingway we have regular zoom calls trainings all kinds of daily posts in there all kinds of cool stuff jump on into that we're going to be having actually another live zoom on sleep next week so i hope you'll jump into it i hope you'll get excited you'll share with us we grow together we provide all kinds of encouragement uh it's, it's just a great great supportive community and lots of cool helpful educational content that um, it's it's really a lot of fun and it's catered to you so Get into it, guys. I can't wait to see you there. It's going to be amazing. I love, love, love to see you. Um, anywhere you can find me, both on Instagram, DR, or Dr. Thomas Hemingway, Facebook, Thomas Hemingway, and all the major platforms, I'm available there for you. Message me, reach out to me. Please share this with somebody who may need a little bit more oomph to get them sleeping better, to get them enjoying their life, being more refreshed, rejuvenated. Share this with someone you love or care about. And you, please, 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 don't forget to write a review. This is what really moves the needle. It really helps get the word out. I love to see it. I read each and every one. I promise you they are the reason that I keep doing this and it just makes me smile. I'm smiling now. Hope, hope all you uh, can check me out as well on YouTube to see this amazingness. We are there. We are we are doing awesome, and it's because of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't wait until the next episode. Please also, like I mentioned, check out the Gutsy Health Podcast. They are on Apple and all the major platforms. I was just on their show released uh, this week. I'm so grateful to them. Uh, it's been incredible to share with them and so many other podcasts this message of the modern medicine movement to get healthy naturally. Prevention over prescription and knowing that this is an our power. We get to decide this. This is our thing. We are able to do this. It is under our control. So go conquer the world healthfully and happily. Until next time, Dr. Hemingway signing off with a big aloha.